Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're welcome. But, you know, this is, they're all special. I, I mean, I think, I think, <laughs> I think you have to say they're all special, but this podcast particularly special because we are welcoming not a guest, but co-host. Oh, That's right. Thank you, NPR's Joe. Linda Holmes. As a co-host, Linda, thank you for joining us. Well, it's great, it's great to be here. It's just so great to have you. It's so great to have you here. Can we come up with like a, a can we come up with like a special um, one of those cool journalism names for Linda, like like special like correspondent oh, or yeah. uh-huh. can, like a, like senior contributor? Can we call her a senior contributor? <laughs> I think international senior contributor. <laughs> Don't you think, Linda, what is, what's the what is the title that you would prefer? How should we? What's the if we could make up? Because we're obviously just making it up. So if we can make up any title to officially refer to you in relation to this podcast, what what should we? What would you like to be called? Wow. Yeah, I would definitely go for like special senior correspondent. Special there we go. senior <laughs> correspondent. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, we're here with special senior correspondent Linda yeah. Holmes. Yeah. Linda. <laughs> Linda, it's so it's it's so great. We are we are going to talk quite a bit about your baseball selection this year. We had Linda on earlier in the year. Uh, we drafted potential teams for her to uh, become a fan of, and and so we're going to ask you how all that's going. But before we do that, I think as you probably uh, know, we do a couple of segments uh, on this show, and and one of them is completely outdated because because we we. The season's over. The baseball regular season is over. And Tommy Pham, uh, we, we always do a Tommy Pham update. Uh, we There's no reason to do one anymore. There's nothing to update. But the music is so good. <laughs> we, we, we will again do the Tommy Pham update. It's the Tommy Pham. There is actually, there's not an update, I would say, but there's like a P.S., uh, which which you texted me about the yes, other day, yes. which was so Tommy. So the Tommy Fam update. If for some reason you've decided that, to make this the first time you've listened to this podcast, which I can't imagine how that would be happening, but uh, the the idea was late in the season we realized that Tommy Fam completely out of nowhere had a chance to have a 300, 400, 500 season, three hundred batting average, four hundred on base, five hundred slugging, and we decided that this for no reason at all was uh, was this thing that has been done many times before was going to be called the Fam, right uh, after Tommy Fam. He then achieved that uh, season long goal, which is great. Congratulations to him. But then the other day, the was it the Hall of the Baseball Hall of Fame Twitter account? Is that who was doing it? It was. It's Tom Schieber, uh, who is who is one of the uh, one of the key uh, people at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, tweeted out uh, in what I would have to call historical fam information, <laughs> where, where he talked about who has done the fam the most often, which is Babe Ruth is, by the right. way, the answer to that. Uh, but but he came up with all kinds of historical fam information and by and called it historical fam information, uh, which just goes to show you uh, some people shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Or that the podcast shouldn't exist. <laughs> both, <laughs> both, 
both perfectly legit. Both could be true, yeah. But that was very exciting because you, you sent me a text that said the, the Hall of Fame is, sent, is tweeting out historical fams. I immediately knew what you meant, which is hilarious. And then also, that was very cool. I want this to catch on. I want this. I want that to be called the fam. Yeah. There's no reason it should be. It should obviously be called a Ruth or a 345 or a something. But I want – I because – no one has ever given this a name before. I feel like we planted our flag on this particular moon, and I would like this now to be called the fam. I, I, would, I will not rest until we get, like, Joe Buck or somebody during the World Series <laughs> to, to say, hey, very casual. Yeah, and you want it, you, it has to be very casual, right? It has casual. to be like... Anthony you know, Rendon with a, another fam season. Right. You know, just something like that. Very had a casual. great year at third. Machado had a great year at third. Obviously, he fammed. Everybody knows that. Like, just you want it to be like the thrown away to where 0.001% of the people listening understand what he's saying. In, in, absolutely. By 0.001, you mean just you and me. You and me, yeah. And maybe Linda, if she remembers the. <laughs> no, <laughs> the I, doctor. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> Linda, have you been following the FAM update? Has, has it been sort of a weekly, you know? Oh, for sort sure. Of, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think last week on the podcast you mentioned that uh, that uh, Altuve had FAMed, and I thought I think that is the posca- the most podcastian <laughs> sentence <laughs> maybe ever. Yes, you, you can't do better than Altuve has FAMed. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt I felt very included because I was like, I get that. Like, right? You know what we meant. Yeah. So awesome. We said something. We said a piece of nonsense, and your brain unscrambled it, and you and you knew what it meant, and that made you happy. Welcome to welcome that. to podcasting. That's what podcasting <laughs> is. Basically. Oh, I love it. The other segment we do that we shouldn't do anymore because there's no reason to do it is, but again, the music is is too good to stop. Um, is our Browns update. Let's check in on the Cleveland Browns. How are they doing? Michael, so the first thing I always have to ask you for the Browns update is, are you back on board? Uh, no, no, I'm still out. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm going to, listen, here's the deal with this. I'm going to be out forever. I'm never getting back on board. However, I would like you to ask me every yes, week if I back in. a weekly update on whether or not Michael has decided to come back to the Cleveland Browns. Linda, can I get you on board as a Cleveland Browns fan? Oh my God, no. What? Why? <laughs> why, why would anyone do that? You know, it's really funny that you mentioned this because, uh, and we'll talk more about my baseball thing, but um, a buddy of mine is doing a podcast right now about, um, <laughs> about being a Knicks fan and he's trying to get a fan. <laughs> he's trying to get a fan of each uh, of the NBA teams to persuade him to become a fan of their team instead. And uh, the podcast, by the way, is called The Decision. You can listen to it. Nice. Uh, and there are certain teams where, like, he gets the person on the podcast and they gradually start realizing as they make an argument to him that they have no argument. Like, <laughs> they gradually realize that they're just speaking from they just love their team by rote. Right. And um, and they know it. And as they get there, they're like, look, you always get that moment. Where they're <laughs> and that's when you know that they've realized they have no argument. No argument. Yeah. And it just becomes this dumping of emotion. And that is how I feel about Joe and the Browns. Mm-hmm. But just as I would not become a Knicks fan or 
in the case of one of his more unfortunate correspondents, a Nets fan, oh. um, I would not become a Browns fan. No, so. and I and here's the thing: well, uh, that that'll never be this podcast because I would never. I I couldn't believe Michael agreed to do it in the first place, even for yeah. like two minutes. Why? Yeah. you would ever like voluntarily take on the Browns. But I, as a Browns update, since since we since we do this, I should point out that that two weeks ago, Michael. And I went through the schedule and sort of came up with the idea that that if the Browns were going to, you know, have some success at all this year, uh, and by some success I mean win a game, uh, they would they would probably have to win one of the two games against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are no no good, and the New York Jets, who are no good, and both those games were in Cleveland in back to back weeks, and they they didn't win either. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's over yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It's over. They they lost mm-hmm. both those games and lost. The, the Bengals game they got blown out, and the and the Jets game, you know they they totally outplayed the Jets and never came close to winning. That's basically how it went. So, yeah. So yeah, um, it's, it's uh, to to finish off the Browns update, you tweeted an amazing statistic the other day, which was total victories since January first, twenty sixteen. Right. Yes, so exactly. so uh, going on two calendar years now. Now, granted, obviously January first sort of cuts off. The, mm-hmm. It's the very, very end of a football season, so it's a little bit cherry picking. But it was like you know the and, and it was Cleveland area sports team wins since January first, twenty sixteen, and it, you know the Indians had whatever it was two hundred and two hundred eight, yeah, two hundred eight, like and the yeah. uh, Cavaliers had one hundred and ten, one hundred ten, and the Browns had uh one one win that's right <laughs> one. one and you know it's funny people were like well you know i think it'd be a little more telling if you would put winning percentage because there are a few you know like it doesn't get any more telling than that i mean that's not <laughs> if the yeah. point is to have a a day of happiness because your team won the browns have given you one of those days yeah now again you're talking about at the point, at the time you tweeted that out, it was twenty total chances for victory from the Browns, right? right? It was uh, right. sixteen games in twenty sixteen and four so far this year. So obviously, yes, the the Cavaliers have had uh, one hundred and sixty four games or it's whatever it is. 20, it's actually twenty two, right? Because I think they had one game that they from the previous year that they because they lost their last five games the previous year. But I didn't want to make it October twenty. I see. Okay. So they lost one game and then they lost sixteen. They're zero and five this year, not zero and four. Oh, I thought you. Would, I thought you had tweeted it before their last loss, but maybe not. So oh, yeah. No, and in any case, it it doesn't really matter no, because. Yeah. Even even if you do it by winning percentage, you're not getting much worse than I mean one out of twenty two is whatever five you know four, four between four and five percent yeah um, yeah so sad but you know all of it can go away. We're recording this on Wednesday uh, at nine fifteen in the morning West Coast time. The Indians play the Yankees later today. Kluber against Sabathia. I just I, I, I Cleveland has has to win this game. I, I cannot take it. I cannot take it. This is actually a good transition now. We should now say to Linda, so at the beginning of the year, we pitched you teams to adopt yes. for the season. We don't I we do not know if you if you adopted a team or if so you kept it you played your cards close to your chest. Very we don't close. we don't know if you adopted a team or what team it is. So why don't you now reveal to us if in fact you did adopt a team and which team it was? So I did adopt a team. Uh yes. And it was the Houston Astros. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I felt you leaning that way even yeah. during the draft. Yeah. So um, the good news is I adopted them sort of like in my heart. <laughs> the, <laughs> the bad news is uh, the 
progress of the summer. I was working on a book and I was doing a bunch of traveling and um, I didn't, I sort of didn't get what I had hoped for in terms of like the opportunity to like actually sit down and watch them. Okay. So I sort of was settling into like the idea of it, but I think I'm going to need like a fresh season. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, but I think, but don't you think you can, with the playoffs, with the playoffs now, don't you feel like you can just dive yeah. right in? I'm sort of like jumping in now because I did, I feel like I can jump in as of the playoffs because I did commit internally, as one might say. Right. Um, and so now I feel like I'm justified in in jumping in at this point. But yeah, I, believe, I went with Houston. So when, when we were making these arguments, I was pushing pretty hard for Houston. I felt like Houston was a good choice for a number of reasons. Um, were there, what, what would you say, give us some top, what, what were the, what was the reasoning behind choosing Houston? And then what were the things, even if you didn't like follow them on a day-to-day -day basis over the course of the year, were there particular players you kind of fell in love with or any kind of aspect of the team you fell in love with? Well, I was like, I do love, I do love Altuve. That, that sure. was a very, um, persuasive. And I did go and watch a bunch of video of him after you mentioned it to me during the draft. And I was like, all right, that seems like a good plan. Also, <laughs> and this came up on Twitter the other day, the thing about the Astros old uniforms. Yeah. Um, I, I did love in a, in a sort of a, I like ironic, but not, uh, I loved those old, like, I don't know. Yeah. The horrifyingly oh, ugly yeah. red, orange, and yellow. Yeah. Yeah, but I love those. Wonderful. I love Wonderful. those uniforms. Let me make this. Let me explain what what this is this is about. In case you did miss it, I, I don't know. I'm sure there were other places this came up, but essentially, former two-time MVP Dale Murphy, who's a wonderful soul, um, tweeted out something about how horrific. By the way, totally right. How <laughs> horrific those Arizona Diamondbacks road teams uh, are. Uh. They're just they're they're soul sucking bad. That's I mean they're just you look at them and you just you're sad. It's just they just they just make you sad. They're like charcoal. They're, they're awful anyway. And he was trying to make the point that they're horrific. And somebody I don't know who somebody without any heart uh, said, "Oh, how do they compare to the old Houston ones?" And Dale thought that was pretty funny, and he put a poll up. Where he basically said, "What's better? What's worse? Uh, the 19, I guess, early 80s rainbow uh, uniforms yeah. of the Houston Astros or the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks?" And I tweeted out in immediate response to that, Dale. That is like asking which version of George on your mind is better, the Ray Charles version or the Michael Bolton version. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> And then Michael decided to top that. Michael, what, what did you tweet today? Oh, I forget now. It was it was like what's it was what's better, a delicious donut, right. or or you're the taste of your own bloody teeth after I punch <laughs> you in the mouth. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is equally no. true, by the way. Equally felt, I felt bad right after I tweeted that because I was like, that guy, Dale Murphy does. I don't know Dale Murphy. He doesn't deserve me to <laughs> go after him no, this way. But that analogy is the only analogy I could think of because those Diamondbacks road jerseys are a crime against humanity. They and are, the old Astros are. jerseys are wonderful. And like, and by the way, this isn't like revisionist history. I thought, I, you know, I grew up, as I think I mentioned to you, Linda, uh, the Astros were my second favorite team because my mom's whole family lived in Houston. Some of them still live in Texas. Uh, and I used to go to Astros games all the time at the, at the uh, old Astrodome. 
I love the uniforms then. I thought they were great then. I had a I had a Bill Doran Astros jersey in that in those old awful co- uh, colors, and I wore it all the time because I loved it. I thought, it, and my mom hated it, and she thought it was garish and terrible. Which, and she, by the way, she was right. But I love those. This is not. It's not like um, now or like a, a nostalgia for a bygone era or something. Those jerseys are just straight up great. And the uh, and they're great maybe in a different way now than they were back then. But those diamond, no one will ever think those Diamondbacks road jerseys are great ever. No one thinks they're great now. No one will ever think they're great. They they're a weird cynical like uh, marketing ploy or something to try to sell merchandise. They're not actually designed well. They're they're just hideous. And so that that analogy was the only one I could come up with that that uh, sort of accurately described how strongly I felt about the difference between these two jerseys. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, like, the Astros were a good team to pick because there are certain teams, like, when I was watching the Phillies growing up, any team that was not part of my baseball world at that time still does not feel like a real team to me. It's like it's like uh, Colorado. That's not a real team. Like that's <laughs> Like, and so there's a whole, there are a whole bunch of teams that because they've either moved and so they are differently identified and so they don't feel like real teams or, you know, they were part of expansion or whatever. Um, They don't, they don't feel like real teams to me or they have some kind of enormous childhood baggage, which is true of like the, that's even true of like the Dodgers. Um, And so the Astros to me are in this nice sweet spot of like, they feel like a real baseball team, and yet I don't have super strong feelings about them um, related to, like, the baseball of the 80s. So, you know, they were, they, were good, they were a good choice in that way as well. I, I think that makes perfect sense. I, I think that is the toughest part, uh, especially when you've been a baseball fan for, for you know, a long time. You're, you're trying to switch. There's there's no way you can look at a team without having some connection to to your childhood that would that would right. lead you one way or another. Unless you're the Astros, which led nobody anyway in in the, <laughs> the early days. Uh, they, there was right. there was no reason right. to like them or hate them if you did not live in Houston, right? I mean, they were just there. It was just the jerseys. <laughs> yeah. The jerseys were kind of the whole and they're thing. And yeah, I mean, I I yeah. felt pretty strongly and still do that if you're going to adopt a new team, you ought to adopt a new team with a history of futility because you want what yes. you want is to feel right. like you sure. are t- you are going to be there for a team's kind of initial wave of of initial sort of breakthrough or whatever you want to call it and it's going to be more valuable mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. as a fan to witness should the Astros go all the way this year and win the World Series or next year or the year after that will be more exciting if you've adopted right. them than it would be if the uh, Dodgers won their whatever it is you know 13th World Series I don't know how many they've won they haven't won that many I guess but exactly. they won fair you know they won in the 80s like the Astros didn't win anything the Indians haven't won in forever it feels like if you're going to adapt and adopt a new team you might as well adopt one that hasn't won anything in forever right you, you know something that occurs to me here is because we're doing this uh, early on Wednesday we have no idea uh, and really, in this case, while while this was true last time we did the podcast, we had no idea whether the Yankees were going to beat the Twins or not. Oh. We we knew the Yankees were going to beat the Twins. Um, we don't know if the Yankees or Cleveland will be going on uh, to, yeah. to face Houston. So uh, that will be we will we will either be like, oh hey, Cleveland and Houston, two fun teams. That's going to be awesome. Whoever wins, that's going to be a great World Series. To 
all of us being gigantic <laughs> Astros fans. One one of those things is going to happen, you know, depending on how that game goes. And Michael, give me some reassurance here. Give me a little reassurance, even though by the time we do this, uh, people will know who won the game. But yeah. give me some reassurance. Cleveland's I, winning, right? I wish I could, man. I mean, this is so we we've watched this unfold now, and it's unfolded in a, in such a classic Yankee way, where like. You know the the Indians throttled them in the first game, and they and they shut them out. And then in the second game, the Yankees had a big lead, and Cleveland came back and and won improbably, overcame a five run deficit. And then in the third game, it was nothing, nothing at the stadium. And just as the innings went on, you just knew what was going to happen. And it exactly it what happened was exactly what happened. Tanaka who Tanaka either gives up 11 home runs in two innings or throws a three-hit shutout. It's one or the other. There's no in-between for that guy. And as soon as it was clear that he was going to throw a three-hit shutout, it was like, yeah, I know how this goes. It's very, very... The whole whole thing unfolded in front of you because you knew halfway through that game that the Yankees were going to win 1-0 on a late-innings solo homer. And then you were like, wait, okay, so what happens then? Oh, then Severino's coming back the next day. And the Yankees are going to pitch Bauer on short rest because he was so good the first time. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. You just knew that wasn't going to work. And Severino, who had gotten blown out in the in the wild card game, was pitching on full rest. And you just knew that, like, okay, that was when he pitched bad. Now he's going to pitch good. And you knew that the Yankees were going to win that game. And suddenly you're going back to Cleveland in game five. And you've got Kluber, but the Yankees have Sabathia, who is a weird, has a weird voodoo hex that he has employed where no, he throws 89 and no one can hit the ball hard off him. It, I do, still don't understand it. And Kluber got lit up by the Yankees the first time he pitched. And now suddenly it feels like it, it feels worse than a coin flip to me. It feels like a given, given the way that Yankee playoff magic and, and good fortune ha- tends to work. This feels like worse than a coin flip. It feels like 40, 60 to me that the, that the uh, Indians win. So I know that's the opposite Linda, of reassurance. You, know, I know you, you give me some reassurance that Cleveland. No, I can't. And I have to tell you, the the pre recap last week of the of the Twins Yankees game, as depressing as 2017 has been, that is one of the most depressing things I've ever. It really to. was. And it, it had really such <laughs> flair and specificity. I thought, I understand how this person might be able to write television shows about the afterlife. <laughs> you realize, other, other, than Sever, other than Severino getting lit up in that game early, that thing was dead on. It was, other true. than Severino, it's, everything, everything oh, else God. happened. Every single other thing happened. But I wish that, see, I wish that I, uh, in retrospect, I, uh, there are really two ways um, that, that these things tend to go. The first one was the one I laid out, which was the Yankees jump out early and then the other team, like, sort of quote, flow. makes it interesting, end quote, but it does, they don't. The other way that it happens is exactly, I wish I had just predicted the other thing because I could have just as easily predicted exactly what happens, which is you go into that game thinking there's the twins don't have a chance and then suddenly out of nowhere these young scrappy upstarts the minnesota twins score three or four runs in the first inning and severino's out of the game and you're like oh my god it's gonna be an upset and it's like no it's not and by the way when joe and i were texting we were texting during the game and we during the game we called everything that happened before it happened while we were texting we put some of them up on 
Twitter and stuff. But it was like he texted me. So at the end of the first inning, it was three nothing, and he texted me at what in what inning did the Yankees go ahead? And I said eh, probably the third. And then they went ahead in the second. Like it was like because that is the other version of this. The other version is you're like, wait a second, it's not. It's going the exact opposite of the way I thought it was going to go. And then the Yankees just immediately come back. The the primary example of this. And by the way, there's in those games, there's always a situation where some Yankee pitcher comes out of the bullpen and and totally shuts down the rally. So it was like four or five innings of shutout baseball that allows their team to come back and win. The classic example was in the in the uh, two in the whatever it was two thousand three ALCS uh, in Game Seven the yet the Red Sox knocked Clemens out of that game early on and Mike Mussina came out of the bullpen and threw like five scoreless innings and it was so and I was watching it happen I was like they were up the Red Sox were up like four nothing I think Millar knocked Clemens out of the game with a home run and the feeling was like oh my god it's <laughs> and it's like no that you know what's gonna happen here like. And so when they when the twins when at the moment Severino left the game, the twins had second and third and one out, and they and then Ch- was it Chad Green who came in and struck those two guys out? I can't. Second and third, one out. Chad Green comes right, in. Right, and struck out back. both of the next two hitters, so they didn't score either of those runs, and basically that was the end of the game. Everyone <laughs> except the twins knew it at that moment. That was the end of the game. If they if the if Chad Green had come in in the first batter who he faced, hit a double to right and scored both of those runs, and it was 5 nothing. they had a shot. But as soon as they didn't score those two runs, the game was over. And the Yankees tied it up in the bottom of the second or whatever, or the bottom of the first, went ahead in the second. There was never a chance after that that they were going to win. There was not one chance. In fact, again, I think from the, literally from the moment that they didn't score that run from third in the first inning, they were dead. And and so the the other I, I only wish that I had predicted that version of the Yankees win because that is the other version. The other version is the other team jumps out to a big a big early lead, and you're like, oh my god, look what's happening! And it's like, no, no, forget it. <laughs> no, it's like if you watch the uh, NCAA tournament every year, they always have the conversation about like the 16 never beats the one, right? It never happens. The 16 never beats the one, and then. How many games have you watched where they've been like, oh, my God, these guys are like 10 <laughs> points right. ahead of UNC. Yep. It's like, no, it's, you can, they can do it for like the beginning, but then they just gradually become tired and then they can't. And it, 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 the number of games in which they try to tell you maybe the 16 is going to beat the one. Maybe the 16, No, they're not going to. That's never going to happen. Never. No. Yes. <sighs> I don't think they're ever going to beat the Yankees in a game. I really don't think the Twins will ever again beat the Yankees in a baseball game, ever. No, never. They're never going to beat it. And the Twins are never going to beat the Yankees in a game that matters ever. It's never going to happen. After it was 3 nothing, and, and Chad Green came and shut them down, everybody except the Twins knew. Oh, some Twins knew. You know, Joe, Joe Maurer was in that dugout. Oh, yeah, we lost this game. That's it. It's over. By the way, so I want to. I, I do want to make one point about the Cleveland thing, even though obviously we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, because this is only the Yankees could do this. Uh, after games two, I would say, uh, but even in the kind of in the middle of game two, I don't think there was anybody uh, in recent memory in baseball who was so widely regarded as a genius uh, of baseball as Terry Francona, right? In the middle of game two, at the end of game two, every single thing he did worked. Like he decided to start Bauer in game one rather than Kluber. And then Bauer was incredibly good. He he put 
Uh, Jason Kipnis in center field. He hadn't played there ever, like, his whole life. He makes, like, an incredible diving catch. Every single thing he did right. worked. And you're like, this is amazing. Like, this is, like, for once in their lives, a Cleveland sports team has, like, that like that voodoo is on their team, finally. They've got, like, a guy that's, like, and they went to Yankee Stadium and, like, I mean, he could not have turned into a pumpkin faster. Every single thing he's done since then has been a disaster. He went with Bauer on short rest. Suddenly, Jason Kipnis is like, can't catch anything in the outfield. Uh, you can't throw. You know, he, he decided to keep uh, Edwin Encarnacion on the roster. He can't play. He hasn't played him. It's like every single thing he's done since then has backfired. Every single thing. And it's it. there's no other way to say it. Yankee black magic is just stronger than all. Other yeah, black that's magic. right. They, you don't have a chance when you go up against that particular brand of voodoo. And there, there's been one moment in history where I can remember um, the 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 other team's voodoo beating the Yankees voodoo, and it's that it was it's now the tenth anniversary of this. It's the Jabba Chamberlain bug game, right? That's the yes. only moment where you're like, oh, the curse somehow they. <laughs> Somehow, like the curse backfired on them, and you know they 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 accidentally they you know what it was they were holding their wand the wrong way by accident, and so the curse came back at them instead of going onto the other team. That's the only thing I can imagine is actually. It was it was like Weasley's wand breaking, right? Well, like when it breaks in Harry Potter, and he does the thing, and it yeah. all comes back on him. Like that's exact. But they fixed the wand. They fixed it. Well, yeah, that's right. They, they realized their mistake. They watched those bugs swarm around Jabba Chamberlain. Well, what the? Oh, man. Our stupid wand broke. <laughs> okay, wait. Here's, I don't want to leave Linda's uh, thing, though. I have more questions for Linda, though. So, oh, yes, so, so you think next year, going into next season, you think you're all in with the Astros? Is that how you feel right now? Yes, that's how I feel right now. And what, how will that manifest itself? Are you going to buy the MLB extra innings package if you haven't already and watch as many games as you can? Are you going to follow them online? What's your plan? That's Altuve the, Jersey. Yeah, that's the plan. <clears throat> the plan is to watch as much as I can. Um, I often buy like a package anyway, and then I just don't have time to watch it, which really stinks and is stupid. But, um, <laughs> but um, that's the plan. I mean, the plan is to watch and, and see how it goes and – Hopefully it'll be fun and uh, I'll be, I hope, a little bit less busy, although that's a joke. Um, <laughs> um, so do you, So Altuve is like your entry point, yeah. which I think it yes. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Were there other players that you like you felt a little uh, kinship to or interest in or something? Any other like, I mean, did, did you happen to see, for example, the insane video of Josh Reddick in a, an American flag bikini bottoms <laughs> celebrating his uh celebrating the a- uh, alds victory in this that, that, couldn't, that, couldn't, that couldn't have helped your fanhood i just i just yeah did see that. that's I tough to watch and, <laughs> well you know i well <laughs> maybe not tough to know, watch yeah no he's a he's a professional athlete, athlete in the prime of his uh young life athletes athletes should respect the flag that's what i'm saying <laughs> as he does in that video that's right he was he's definitely respecting yeah. the flag it's very respectful he's wearing a tiny american flag bikini while he while, while 18 dudes 
pour booze all over his naked body. That's very As respectful. And I hope <laughs> that, <yes. laughs> that's exactly right. And I hope that the uh, I hope the the, the uh, manner in which I say that is very yeah. Clear. No, it is. Don't worry. And I I have the thought that like you know if the NFL wants to make it really clear what respecting the flag means, they would just show that video on the jumbotron. Well, right? no, and re- relive it. Relive and, it yeah. on a daily, weekly basis. <laughs> Yeah, Everybody that was amazing. Has to do that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have a question for Linda because uh, as uh-huh, as sure. we go through, you know, with, with Houston, here's here's to me a, a very, you know, it's an interesting part of the Houston experience as a fan. Uh, and Houston's not the only one uh, that that deals with this. I just did. Uh, I just wrote about the Dodgers uh, Arizona series, which obviously went very very quickly. The Dodgers uh, dispatched Arizona very quickly, but there was something I noticed. Uh, before the Dodgers games, they have like, I don't know, two hours worth of like pregame celebration of self, right? Where they go through Dodger history and do video and bring out some all-time great. You know, I think Maury Wills and Don Newcomb threw out first pitches, show lots of Jackie Robinson stuff, Sandy Koufax stuff. Oh, that's your Vin Scully, you know? So it's like this, this grand... History, which I, you know, if you're a Dodger fan, you you want to sort of luxuriate in that history. Um, then we went to Arizona, and they have no history uh, <laughs> in Arizona. Not Michael Phelps throughout the first pitch. Michael Phelps, which by the way, Michael Phelps has lived in Phoenix for like eight. I was about months. to say he's, he's not like, from he's not from Arizona, is he? He's he's from Baltimore. No, he's from Baltimore. Uh, but I guess he's doing something out there with a foundation or whatever. And, you know, they introduced him like greatest Olympian ever, Michael Phelps. And, you know, you could just sense the crowd really uh, getting excited about the game. Um, <laughs> but here was, here was the thing that was great. So they, they showed a video because you have to, even if you don't have a history, you have to show a video. So they have had one sort of great moment where they beat the Yankees in the 2001 World Series. And then they showed various highlights of of uh, Arizona through the years with a voiceover from some Phoenix guy. I don't even know who it was. Uh, probably a, a, a famous actor, but I, I I didn't catch who it was at the beginning. Uh, where he's like saying, Arizona is this you know this this place in the desert that was built by by the by settlers and and the what they had to endure and the heat and they're showing Arizona Diamondbacks coverage. And then they show the video of Randy Johnson hitting the bird with that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy says something, no joke, like, where sometimes you have to lose a bird. Like, literally, that's what he said. I mean, the, the oh, franchise wow. has, they have, they have two highlights, right? It's Luis Gonzalez flaring a single to left center and Randy Johnson hitting a bird. That's all they got. <laughs> That's it. So my question to you, Lynn, is as an Astros fan, that's sort of where your history is right now. I mean, obviously, they've had, they had a longer history. They've had great players. But that's that's kind of like your video is like of them like getting to the World Series and not winning a game and and like maybe like early Nolan Ryan highlights and a little Bagwell or something. And that, that's kind of it. So you're you're good with that. You're good with coming in to to a team that basically is is starting sort of at ground zero. Yes. I mean, my feeling about any good team to root for is that at some point in their history, there is that moment where you have to lose a bird. Um, (laughs) And as long and I feel like somewhere in the history of the Houston Astros, 
somebody killed the bird, right? Somebody killed probably the bird. Wasn't, the I'm sure it wasn't on purpose. I'm sure it probably wasn't televised. But they killed the bird. You know, <laughs> they, I'm sure they killed the bird, too. And the whole point is you kill your bird, you move on. And, and at some point you have your big turnaround. So I'm, I'm waiting for that big moment that will eclipse the poor bird in their history. I also wonder if, you know, part of identifying with a team is riding the awful emotional roller coaster of that team. And sure. I wonder whether it wouldn't benefit your Astros fandom if, for example, this year they got really close to winning right. like the, the NLC or ALCS and then like lost dramatically in the in the ninth inning of game seven or something. You know what I mean? Like you right. might need something like that. That could be the dead bird of your fandom. Where like you're, true. You know, like you want you, some, something like that. I don't know. I mean, I hate to root for that uh, for Astros yeah. fans and for you as a new Astros fan, but you might need well, something like that. No, you're right. I think ideal for my fandom is do really well, but have like a late heartbreaker. I think you're exactly right. And then... Like, you come in next season and you're like, all right, now we're doing it. Because if they win the World Series now, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like getting married on the first date. And then you're like, oh, yeah. now what do I do? Well, it's like, but it's like oh, getting married on the... It's all downhill from here. Yeah, it's like getting know? married on the first date, but it's a good marriage. Where you're like, all right, yeah. well, I, I've achieved the thing. Like, there's no journey. The journey... Right. If, exactly. Yeah. Um, I had a similar thing happen with my son, uh, who was a burgeoning sports fan and had just learned what football was. And then the Patriots beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. And he was like, oh, great. This is what sports is. You pick a team and then that team just wins everything every year. And then, by the way, two years later, they won again. uh, And... And then, like, uh, and by the way, in there also, the Red Sox won the World Series. And so he he has this completely skewed view of sports. And so he, uh, I think I've told this story before, but I, he became, he really became a Dodger fan as as people who listen to this podcast know my jerk son betrayed me and became a Dodger fan. And we (laughs) went to the Dodgers Mets uh, playoff series a couple of years ago when the Mets were, uh, went to the world series and uh, it was whatever it was game four, I think, or or game five, I guess in, in LA. And, uh, the Mets won and in the ninth inning they were the Mets were up like three to one or four to one or something and I knew that the Dodgers were going to lose uh and he didn't he was like here here we go it's the ninth inning this is when this is when my team comes back yep and then you know I watched sports like break his heart for the first time and it was you see how like he's he's in for life now he's in for life with the Dodgers once you can't truly be a fan of a team until that team has broken your heart I think Right. I think that's true. Right. I think that's true. I mean, you know, of course, all I've had is nothing but heartbreak most of my life as a sports <laughs> fan. But that does connect you in a way because if you if when when the team wins, I mean, I've really had a hard time sort of describing what it was like when the Cavaliers finally won uh, the first championship of of my lifetime for Cleveland. And, you know, it was great. It was incredible. And it was like this big high, and especially the way they did it, down 3-1 against greatest team ever. And they somehow, you know, LeBron just goes to this other level and takes them and they win in, in a game that you, you didn't think was, you know, they were going to win until the, the final, you know, buzzer, really. I mean, it was it was insane. But then there was like this weird, okay, well, that's over now. And if they win again next year, yeah, that's That'd be great. That'd be really cool. But there's no sense of 
the same desperation mm-hmm. that you felt before, you know? Uh, I don't know. That's weird. I mean, that's a weird part of being a sports fan. Maybe that's just a weird part of just humanity. I don't yeah. know. It, it feels like <laughs> you do connect more to losing. That just makes you it, it makes you buy in more. For yeah, some well, I was talking to my buddy who's the Knicks fan about this because I – because I was saying to him, like, this is one of the one of the things about sports, though, is you tolerate these long periods in which your team is terrible. And then eventually, if you get a victory, it's all the more meaningful. And I said, you know, like Red Sox fans and Cubs fans who finally got their big wins. And he said, but think of all the Red Sox and Cubs fans who, like, died waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. I was like, that's, lots, that's fair. Lots of them. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. By the way, I can't believe that this guy has a podcast um, where he's he's having asking people to like convince him to become a fan uh, of a team other than the Knicks. That any team would not have at least one argument like, okay, it's look, it's it's bad here, but it ain't the Knicks, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> that should be every team's like, argument. <laughs> that should be every team's yeah. argument. Like, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell you it's great being an Atlanta Hawks fan, but it's better than being a Knicks with. fan. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think the, I think they, I have found the people that talk to him similar to the people who talk to you guys, and that the best, most solid argument I've seen so far is for him to become a Sixers fan, and it's based on the idea that like they haven't been good, but they're gonna be good, yeah. and that's sort of the, a similar kind of outlook to what you. Guys yeah, have. that's very yeah. similar to I would say the arguments for. Um, for the, the you would make about like two years ago for being an Astros fan, right? It's like they, it's like a, mm-hmm. the future is bright is a pretty good argument. If you're looking for a team to adopt, you want to go with the team that has yeah. the brightest future because you want to get on board when they're you want you want to be a fan of them while they stink for a couple of years, so you can get that good, you know, tribalistic juju going, you know, and then you want to watch mm-hmm. their ascent. And I feel like that's exactly what the I mean, you you got to the Astros a little late for this, but sure. Uh, but you, but still, it's the it's the same idea. It's the, it's a, a fairly moribund franchise with a very extremely bright future who's going to be good for a long time. It's perfect. That's the hope. Anyway, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I would become a fan if I was if I didn't grow up in Cleveland or if I wanted to give up the Cavaliers or whatever. And I was looking around the NBA and I'm like, I want to be a fan of a team for m- many of the same reasons that Linda went with Houston. I would go with uh, the Timberwolves. Oh Minnesota. yeah, Timberwolves because I have. No connection to them at all. They, there's nothing about them that would like turn me off from my childhood. They didn't even exist, and they're going to be. They're going to be right? real I good. Mean, I think they, they're going to be really good, right? It feels well, like that would be the your problem, though. If uh, not to derail this, and then we should get to our draft because we have a complicated three-way draft. <laughs> but uh, the problem with being adopting the Timberwolves right now is. They're incredibly good, and they've got like four really exciting, very young players, and they're they play in the West, and so they might not even make the playoffs. <laughs> like if they were in the East, they'd be they'd be the number two seed right, at least. Right, right. And but they're in the West, and so they're maybe going to be the seventh seed or something yeah. like that. Like or maybe the sixth if the Clippers fade even more. So yeah, you're uh, basketball right now. I mean that's why you know it's bad when the when the league throws out the East versus West All Star right, thing right. because they. <laughs> You couldn't even cobble together an all-star team from yeah. the East. It would just basically be the Cavs. Like, it's the Cavs and, like, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. They, there are a couple of people who made basically that argument to him. They were like, our team is terrible, but it's in the East, so we still might yeah. make the playoffs. 
you're gonna be like the four seed. Like if you're, yeah, it's really nuts. The, there's never been an imbalance, a league imbalance in any sport. I think like there is right now in, in basketball. So that's a tough call. I agree. I agree. All right, we do need to go on to the draft, uh, and this is exciting. I, I mentioned Linda is a is is a co-host of the draft. She will be uh, participating in our our first ever three way draft. And uh, Linda, did you? Did you appreciate the full effort that Michael and I go to to, to choose what we're going to be drafting? The the back and forth, the, the hours of meetings that we have. <laughs> the to, brains, the to brainstorming, sure that we, the back and forth, the, the, the this and that. Back and forth, yeah. the arguments, you know, in the in the uh-huh. writing room. Uh-huh. I, mean, I would say we crazy. spent, what would you say, Linda? If you best estimate number of seconds that we spent deciding this topic. I would say 45 total. I think that's right. All of us. Forty-five, right. and that I counts. Like, right. That counts typing. But a lot of that was that because counts I missed. Like, <laughs> that counts yeah, typing. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to make a suggestion here. We have a three-way draft. We've never done a three-way draft before because um, we've never had a, a, a special senior correspondent join us uh-huh. for the draft. Uh-huh. I think, right? So I'm going to suggest that we do a snake draft. I'm going to suggest that it goes one, two, three, three, two, Ooh, one, one, two, three. That sounds confusing. That really sounds confusing. If you can keep track of it, if you can keep think, track think, of it, I can do it. That's what I'm saying. I, I say let's let's just go straight down the draft. Linda's going to get the first pick anyway. So we go straight down. Linda, Michael, me, and then just do it. Uh, one, two, right. one, two, three, one, two, three. Not all right. Fine. Here. Let's, Fine with let's, me. It's, all right. We are drafting uh, little pleasures. That's basically it. Small pleasures in life. Um, Linda, couldn't be more honored to say <laughs> as our special senior correspondent, Oh, wonderful. Well, I gave this a lot of thought. Uh, I thought about picking grilled cheese sandwiches out of spite, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, What I chose was uh, making toddlers laugh. Now, the reason why why I chose this, it might sound kind of warm and fuzzy, but it actually goes back to the fact that I am a petty, petty, petty little person. And... I, like many people, I, I thrive on validation and approval. It's, I think it's unquestionable that laughter is the best form of validation and approval. And toddlers are the most honest laughers because babies are dumb. They could be thinking about anything. They could be thinking about something entirely different. And once you get older than toddlers, you got to start worrying about like ulterior motives. But a toddler laugh is a real mm. is a real laugh. They are truly delighted, and therefore I chose making toddlers laugh. That's really good, and you also don't have to convince me that uh, laughter is the best form of <laughs> uh, petty validation. I literally based my entire career uh-huh. and adult life on that uh-huh. on that fact. <laughs> so, I I just I just want to say on my list here, I literally have. Having a baby slash toddler. That's literally on my list. That is literally on my list. So I have I have a total of nine 
small pleasures in life that I uh, that I made a list of, figuring that I would that none of them would be repeated, and I I, I believe none of them are going to be. I believe that we're except for maybe that. I think we're all going to have different versions of this, so I'm not afraid of losing any. Right. Um, right. And and I also would say that of the nine that I picked, I feel equally strongly about all of them. Mm-hmm. I have no real order. I have no one, two, three, four, five. They're all sort of the same. So I'm just going to throw them out randomly, sure. essentially randomly. I'm going to go with the mint that you get after dinner in a restaurant. It's oh, on your so way out the door. You, there's that little bowl of the, there, it's always the same. It's one of two versions. It's the tiny little white ones that are sort of chalky that disappear right. in your mouth. Or Hello, it's man. the classic peppermint. That's right. Pillow. Thank you. <laughs> or it's the classic <laughs> uh, red and white, uh-huh. you know, uh, wrap. And I prefer the red and white one for some reason. It's the only, in a normal day. In, at three in the afternoon, you would never, if you, if one of those mints were made available to you, you would never take it. It's because it's like, what's the point? Never. But after dinner in a restaurant on your way out the door, it's this little tiny, simple extra thing that you, gra- you grab and it's free and you, you, you eat it in the it's car on free. the way home from dinner. It's, it's being free is a huge part of it's it. True. I, it's just like a little thing they didn't have to do. That's right. And it's and it's like you a, a, a peppermint is not the kind of thing I would ever seek out, but when it is provided to you after a meal in any restaurant, uh expensive restaurant or inexpensive restaurant, I just I, for some reason it just delights me and I always take it and I always enjoy it. What if you go to one of those restaurants that has one of the fancy mints? This happened to me uh just a couple days ago. Where they're like the chocolate, like the little sticks, the little chocolate sticks with mint. Yeah, yeah that's no good. That? That's no good. Like I mean, it's fine. No, it's 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 fine. It's it's, it's fine, but it's, it's not as good as the crummy, cheap uh, peppermint thing in the little <laughs> twisty wrapper. Yeah, I, I went to um, I went to Tom Clickia's restaurant in L.A. one time, and with a friend. And when you leave, it's a very fancy restaurant and very nice. And when you leave, they give you a little bag of like granola. It's like super high quality oh, no. granola. No. And I was like, that is a very no. interesting farewell gift. It was very tasty, I will say. I think I've been there too because I remember that. I remember yeah. being confused and also kind of happy, oh, but confused. Craft, yeah. uh-huh. uh-huh. that's right. Yes, I have been there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that feels to me like that's like you're going to a birthday party. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Out. It is. Yeah, there was one of those sticky hands in there too, and there was a noisemaker. <laughs> And here's some granola. <laughs> well, delightful. The mint is an absolute delight, and one of those things they don't have to do That's for right. us, but they do. It just it just makes it just makes the day better. Um, all right, my first pick, and I'm I'm totally agreeing with Michael. I've got like 20 things on here. Um, I love all of them. Uh, I'm going to go with waking up in the middle of the night and then realizing you have several hours left. Oh yes, <laughs> that is the great. I that feeling. It just it makes the whole next day so wonderful. It just uh-huh. oh, waking up and like oh no, I got to get up and then four more hours of sleep. It's <laughs> like a holiday. So yeah, I'm gonna go that with that best. one. Mm-hmm. Can I can I uh, can I add two addenda uh-huh. to that? One of them is that feeling when you were in school was even better. Oh, when I you know. were in college, like in college or high school or whatever, if that happened to you, it was the best. Oh, it's even man. better, I think, than adulthood. And the other thing I would say is that um, there is a, a corollary to that, which is waking up 
and thinking for a third of a second that you have to go to work mm. and then realizing it's Saturday or Sunday. Yes. That is all it's sort of a, a sort of a, a adjunct wonderful feeling when you're like, oh my God, I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we had one when I was when I was uh, really a kid in Cleveland and this was shocking. It only happened one time in my entire life because as a kid, you keep up with this so closely. We had one day where there was no expected snow and it snowed all night and school was canceled. And so they didn't wake me up. Uh, my parents did not wake me up or uh, somehow I slept in and I woke up at like 830. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I miss school. And and then looked out and saw the snow that that's ah, the greatest thing the ever. Best. The <laughs> best. The very best. All right. All right <clears throat> I am going to take with my second pick. I'm going to go with New York Diner Breakfast. Oh, uh, God, that's a great one. Um, so I, awesome. I live in D.C., but I spend a fair amount of time in New York. I'm usually there several times a year for various things. And I always make it a point to find a diner and have breakfast. I can enjoy it at a, a nicer diner or at a, a scruffier diner. Um, and there is something about the way that New York diners have figured out they have figured out the concept of unpretentious but satisfying breakfast. And you go and you sit and you can have, you know, I might have an omelet or I might have some pancakes. And they bring you like 400 cups of coffee. <laughs> and you sit there and like maybe you're next to a guy who you can tell eats there all the time. And they don't necessarily like him, but they know him. Sure. And he's just like used to being there. And sometimes he's very demanding, but in a very loving way, like a parent of the diner. Um, so New York Diner Breakfast is my second pick. Okay, I only have I have one I have one not even bone to pick, but but genuine uh, curiosity. Do you not have a standard New York Diner breakfast? You said like three different things. Question. I feel like part of, to me, part of the joy of the New York Diner breakfast is that you get the, that you have your thing, that you get your oh. thing. Oh, you know, no, I actually sometimes have different things. I will usually, I would say I will usually have blueberry pancakes if they have them. Interesting. All right. Often, why? What is your What is your thing? Well, I mean, I, that's the first time that's ever said, where somebody said, "I have blueberry pancakes." Interesting. interesting. Uh, I before I before I I became a vegetarian many years ago now, but before I was a vegetarian, it was two scrambled eggs, uh, bacon, toast, orange juice, coffee. Yeah, I mean, it's not that's like awesome. that's. A, it's not like that's a, like a new version of it, but like you still, it, you still dream. It was it. yes, I do, and and every and now when I get that breakfast uh, anywhere, I just don't have the bacon, and I I feel the absence of the bacon, yeah. like it's a like it's a, a twin brother I had who was lost in a war, like I, I like I, it's crazy. It, when you remove that one element from a from a like a large order, you just I'm like, yeah, this isn't. It's just I feel it. I feel it in my yeah. bones. It's so sad. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? One of my friends used to say that she was a bacon vegetarian. She didn't eat any meat except bacon. Except, except for the most intense meat. But she ate bacon. She was a bacon vegetarian. Yeah, I fully support that. Um, all right, that's an amazing one. I, I'm jealous. I didn't think of that. Uh, I'm going to go with, again, I'm sort of picking at random here. I'm going to go with a toothpick. Um, this is the, literally the smallest possible pleasure you can enjoy in life. 
but the but what I'm talking about is there is something in your teeth. You can't get it out. You find a toothpick and it's out in one second. A toothpick is one of the greatest and most effective tools that human beings have ever invented. It has one job and it does it incredibly well. And by the way, the one job that it does alleviates a really annoying aspect of your daily life. It's like this thing, when you have something caught in your teeth, there, you can't, I cannot focus on anything else. I can't think about anything else. I can't do anything else. And then if you have a toothpick, it's like, oh, it's gone. It, it, it instantly, instantly, on the first attempt to remove the thing that is bothering you, the toothpick takes care of the problem, and then you dispose it, and it's just the best. I love how efficient and effective a, a tiny piece of wood is. I love, love it. it. That's a great pick. It's a great pick. It is. It's great a great pick. pick. Great pick. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hi and it's going to lead me to go off the board because as soon as you said it, I realized something that I had to have on my board and I did not uh, originally do it. But this is going to take it on there for the exact same reason. Uh, I'm going to take the Q-tip. Because oh, yes. Great. That, that, <laughs> that, exact, that exact same your ear. There's something itching and it's just like, oh, this is it. and that Q-tip just solves the problem. It's just like, OK, just. Get one of these things that somebody invented for no apparent reason at all, and it's yeah. over. The problem yes. is gone. The problem it, is solved. It, it is that effective was, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the not time. Quite yeah, exactly. It's not right toothpick because toothpick is a hundred. Yes, yeah. a toothpick has never yeah. failed. <laughs> yeah, and I do appreciate the Q-tip for also being kind of a shared. Uh, a shared thing that we all have where we all know that the Q-tip thing says, don't stick it in your ear. <laughs> we all do. But everybody sticks it in their ear. Everybody knows they wouldn't even sell them unless you stuck it in your ear. It's like if they said, this is a toothpick, but don't use it to pick your teeth. You'd be like, okay, fine. Cool. And then you'd buy it. And you'd pick your teeth. Well, they have them like, they'll have like those, and they're not the best version of them, but like sometimes in a hotel, they'll have like that little tiny bag with four Q-tips. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And they're like, they're like claiming, oh, it's for makeup or something. Nobody uses it for anything other than, oh my gosh, my ear is. But dry. also, those Q-tips don't work. They're, like, they, there's not as, not as well. the cotton not that's on the end of them is like is hard and it's not real cotton and the <laughs> and it's, it's too, too flimsy. flimsy. The plat you have to like you have flimsy. to grab it like with your whole hand kind of instead of like with your two fingers. Yeah, those Q-tips stink. You should, you guys should turn this entire podcast over to Q-tip reviews. <laughs> oh, we should. <laughs> We absolutely should. We're drafting Q-tips at some point. Drafting fine. All right. So uh, it's me, right? Yeah. It is you. For uh, all right. So I'm going to take uh, bread dough. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have ever made bread, but for people who make bread, uh, there's a stage that bread dough goes through when it is all risen and you're shaping it. And it's like very stretchy and full of air. And it is this weird pillowy texture that I, you will not feel anything else that feels like bread dough at this stage. It feels like an alien being. Mm. You kind of want to keep moving it back and forth between your hands because it feels so weird. And then also, you know that you're about to have homemade bread, which is an amazing thing. So I am going to pick 
the way that like risen bread dough feels. <laughs> the specificity of this draft is now my favorite thing of all time. Like the, yes, the way that this the, the way that this is tapping in to the different psychologies of the three people involved in this is truly yes. wonderful. I never in a million years would have thought of that, but I also immediately knew that it was the right choice for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wonderful pick. What do we think of the what do we think of when we use the bread dough to like like shove into a like pasta maker? Is it still cool? Is it still like I mean is that cuz I do that. I I've, I've done that. That's pasta times. dough though. It's a completely it different thing. No. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes. pasta, making pasta is also really fun. Rolling it pasta fun. through I like a that. pasta. You know what's more fun is eating it, though. Instead of making it, you just eat it. Someone else makes it, and then you just eat it. Yeah, that's true. That is also fun. I cannot tell a lie. Uh, all right, that's a great pick. I'm going to go with uh, a piece of technology, of modern technology, unlike the toothpick. I'm going with keyless entry in a car. Um, yeah. It, oh, it, it is nice. keyless entry solved two huge problems. Problem number one is sticking a key into an ignition and turning it uh, the, and then having the keys just awkwardly dangle from the from the side of the car was really annoying. Uh, and, and problem number two was when you are, especially when you have kids, if you get into a car and your arms are full and you've, you're running late because you're always running late mm -hmm. and you, and then you realize oh, you've got to dig in your pocket awkwardly in the, from the seat and find your keys. All of these were, these were annoyances. These were daily annoyances. And then some smart person said, Oh, you, then what if you just have to push a button and everything got so much better instantly. <laughs> we had, unfortunately, my wife and I uh, leased a Honda CRV, which was a good car. Uh, we liked the car, but it did not, we didn't know this, it didn't have keyless entry. Oh. And for three years, we had lost, I had a Prius before that that had keyless entry, and my wife's car had keyless entry, and then we suddenly had a car that did not have keyless entry, and it, like on a daily basis, it ruined our lives. <laughs> it was just all because we had completely forgotten about it. And then every single time and every literally every day for three years, one of us would storm into the house and kind of throw our keys down. And then the other one would go, did you forget that you didn't have keyless entry on the way home? And it was like, yes, we did. And we, one of us was always annoyed and angry for like 11 minutes after arriving anywhere in that car. And it, it was a good reminder of what a wonderful, small invention that was that we no longer, in most cars now, you no longer have to actually insert a key into the ignition. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is. Everything about keyless entry, including the keyless right. door entry. I mean, everything about, you know, not, not having to take out, oh, the car's locked and having to not take out your keys. Yeah, it's a fantastic invention. Just a fantastic invention. All right. I, there's nothing better to say than that. Um... With my third pick, I'm going a little bit different from from sort of where we're we're all going with this thing. Uh, we're talking about small pleasures. Uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, I started following this account uh, that is on Twitter that very very rarely seems to post, but it'll post every I don't know once a month, maybe you know maybe not even that much. And when it does, it makes me so happy. It's just so happy, and it reminds me. Just it's you want to talk about small pleasures. Uh, any time that I can have any brush at all with Cookie Monster, I'm happy. <laughs> Every single time, 
<laughs> that I hear Cookie Monster, I see Cookie Monster. Uh, he'll do some like when he did that Apple commercial. I could not have stopped. I couldn't watch that commercial enough times. Anything to do with Cookie Monster makes me totally happy. So what? I'm sorry. What is the account? It's a Cookie Monster account. It's Cookie Monster has okay. his own Twitter account, which he does not. By the way, Cookie Monster. Um, let's go. Let's. I mean, you have an account. Let's use it. <laughs> now I have to ask you though. Uh, is my understanding that a couple of years ago now, Cookie the concept of Cookie Monster was changed for like nutritional reasons, and it's now he's now like an he's now a, like a fruit monster or a vegetable monster who also likes cookies or something. He has a more balanced diet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I got to say, yes, I have heard that. I got to say the, the account is still pretty cookie centric. Okay, good. <laughs> because I, I like, I totally get it. I get that like childhood obesity is a huge problem. I get that you want your kids eating better food. But to me, it was a sad day when Cookie Monster stopped only liking cookies. I was like, I've, I felt like, let's leave this one alone, guys. Let's yeah. introduce a friend for Cookie Monster called the Carrot Monster or do whatever you want. I don't care. But Cookie, the cook, part of what's so wonderful about Cookie Monster is the words Cookie Monster are so funny. It's such a funny name. He's a Cookie Monster. Like, that's so funny. He's a monster for cookies. Like I can't. It's I've tried. We were in the office yeah. writers' room years ago. We got obsessed with Cookie Monster because we suddenly all came to the realization, as adults, as fully grown thirty-year-olds, that it was the funniest thing that we'd ever heard. And we bought. I bought a one of the CD, like a Sesame Street CD that had C is for Cookie on it. We listened to C is for Cookie every day oh. for a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I totally with you. I th I I just it made me sad when it was like I felt like an angry old man shouting at a cloud when I was like, "Leave Cookie Monster alone! <laughs> he's, he's, things shouldn't change. Things should stay the same." You know. It's true though. Cookies are fine for kids. You know, I I think I think the other thing uh, about it is is that you know I mean there's so many things that change, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, obviously Sesame Street has changed, you know, a billion times. They keep adding characters. I can't even convince the kids uh, that there was no Elmo when I was growing up, that that's not, that's, that's, that's totally right. way right. after when I was a kid. Um, but Cookie Monster is timeless. There's no, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's always hilarious and him stuffing the cookies in his mouth with the crumbs flying everywhere that never stops yeah. being hilarious well and i have to say i don't i never felt when i was watching cookie monster as a kid i never got the impression that you were supposed to want to eat cookies all the time <laughs> because there was a cookie That's monster right. like i don't and i think now like, I don't think they're telling kids to, like, embrace Elmo's lifestyle. I don't think that's the <laughs> point of Elmo either. So I'm not sure that the fact that Cookie Monster only eats cookies, like, I mean, what does Animal do? Animal just eats drums. I mean, it's like, you know. That's right. No, I don't know. It does. I, I agree. I, I mean, I don't think that Cookie Monster only liking cookies means that kids are being encouraged to only like cookies. Also, if you, if you watch Cookie Monster in action... About one eighth of the cookies go down his throat. They mostly go <laughs> onto the table in front of him. Yeah, like he's not actually. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but he's a puppet. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Wait a so I'm minute. actually not sure any of it goes down. His throat. <laughs> 
I don't know oh. if you know this, but he's a puppet should be the pull quote for this podcast. <laughs> that should be like like when you when it's advertised, wherever it's advertised, that should be what's in quotes. Like I don't know if you know this, but he's a puppet. That's what today's episode is called. I don't know if you know this, but by he's the a puppet. way. By the way, I think it's important. We're, we're about to have uh, Linda's fourth pick. But, you know, I don't know. Michael, is there anything on your mind? I mean, I don't think so. Let me just take a mental inventory. Oh, you know, there is one thing that's been bothering me. That's kind of what I've been thinking. I thought there was something that was bothering me. Yeah, I, just uh, forgive me for one second, Linda. I apologize. We'll get to your fourth pick in a second. But I wanted to take a moment to tell you about the cut forecast, totally spontaneously off the top of my head. The Cut Forecast, here's the deal, Linda. The Cut Forecast is the podcast from the staff of MLB.com's Cut 4 section, as you know. Tell which me focuses more. on Tell the lighter side more. of baseball. <laughs> it focuses on the lighter side of baseball. For example, just as one example I can think of. So last week's episode, you guys, broke down some off-season, post-season storylines before debating the long-term effects of Jacob deGrom's new haircut and congratulating Sean Doolittle and Ariane Dolan on their delightful elopement. If that sounds like something you're into, Linda, search Cut Forecast, that's C-U-T, the number four, C-A-S-T, in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts and click subscribe. What do you think, Linda? Um, that was just a thing that I was thinking about that I wanted to get off my chest. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you got it off your chest. I feel like it's important for you to shoot from the hip always. Yeah, just say what I truly feel and them thinking at any given moment. I would never want you to hold We don't that. want to interrupt. We don't want to interrupt in the middle of a, of, a, of a very competitive draft. But, I mean, when you have something to say, got to yeah, say it. It's true, I agree. <laughs> All right, anyway, go ahead with your fourth pick, Linda. Okay, <clears throat> so for my fourth pick... I think I'm going to go with brand new socks. Uh, now, socks, in my opinion, once you have worn them, no matter how much you wash and bleach and all that stuff, they are never quite as good as they are before they ever go on a foot uh, or, into <laughs> a or into a shoe. If you think about where you put a sock and like how much you sweat on it it's like it carries the memory of your foot and your shoe forever so that new sock that like hasn't known anything of the world yet that is the best kind of sock and i find new socks uh a small pleasure in life so so let me let me just see if i understand this uh in the Linda holmes perfect mm -hmm. world they're disposable yes. socks Yes. 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 So you're literally talking about you buy a, a pair of socks at a store, mm -hmm. you take them home, you you rip off the tag and you put those socks on. You're talking like pre any pre anything. Well, you can. I mean, it still works if you if you wash them. Wash them first. first. Okay. It's really the it's the foot shoe situation. It's, it's just that it's never seen the indignity of your foot and shoe. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I'm with you, like, on behalf of socks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. from the socks right. point of view, I think I would take the attitude of, like, I hate, use me before you, uh, like, put, like, the, I'm at my best before I'm on your gross foot in right. your gross shoe. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> what you're saying is if that this was a bunch of socks drafting, this would have been the first pick. Yeah. 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 Yes. Right. If uh, well, if if, the, if it were a bunch of socks drafting things, and the draft was like things you like about the universe, right. number one right. would be I like Small before pleasure. I get put on a foot. <laughs> exactly. If the sock was 
what, what would be the second pick for socks, by the way? Uh, like, I like being used as a puppet for by a kid more than I like being put on a foot. <laughs> what about as a ball for, like, like Nerf basketball? Yeah, like, great. I like being wrapped up in a ball and used as a ball more than I like being... And it's like, it would all be, like, whatever the uses are bef- instead of being put on a I foot. Think they, I think they would probably pick being put on a foot before being used as a tugging chew toy with a dog. Oh, okay. I'll go with that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Although you, you would get a couple socks that would be like, no, I'd rather be the, I'd rather be in a dog's mouth. Yes. It makes the dog happy. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> I think you'd get, I mean, being wrapped around a human foot is probably the worst fate for any article of clothing. Yes. It's one of the worst, let's say. It's true. It's true. I mean... Anyway, that's a, I love that. I love that choice. I would also, by the way, corollary to that one would be this, like, new shoes. Okay. I think the smell of new shoes and the, like, feeling of new shoes before you've ever put them on your gross feet mm-hmm. uh, are also better <laughs> than after. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a, a kind of weird one that, that may be, uh, it's completely off the board, really, but it, it, it's a very specific thing. So I, uh, you know, like most people, every once in a while, I have a bunch of dry cleaning I got to do. And then you get your dry cleaning back and it's individually plastic wrapped shirts, like just, you know, so much plastic and so many hangers. And it's, and I just was like, there's, and, and you would rip all the plastic off and you've got this enormous ball of plastic that you just, there's no use for it. You can't reuse it at all. You just end up throwing it away. And I had this feeling like a year ago of like, okay, this is like 2016, right? There's gotta be a better method than this. And I went online and I found this company, uh, and I don't know, I don't even know what the company's name is, um, but I'm sure there's many versions of this. There's just a reusable laundry bag. It's a big green bag that is has like a, uh, a sort of handle on it that you can sort of throw, uh, throw it over your shoulder. And it's very large. And it has a zip at the end and you can, so you put all of your uh, dry cleaning in this big giant green bag and you zip it up and then you take it to the dry cleaner and then they hang, that, that big green bag becomes a hanging bag that goes over your shirts when they are returned to you. So you get it, you get your shirts back in, in the same bag you brought to the dry cleaning place. I'm, I'm sorry if this is like a known thing that everybody's known about for a long time, but to me it was this revelation because there's no plastic and it was, it's like a perfect system. It's a bag that you use to transport your clothes that then becomes a hanging bag when your clothes are returned to you minus the plastic. This to me is the, I weep with joy every time I do this now. It makes me so happy because I, you know, I don't, you don't, I don't have a lot of reason to dry clean things, but every three months or something, I'll have a bag of dry cleaning. And when I get it back, there's no plastic and the shirts are just hanging there and they're in this big reusable green bag. It's the equivalent basically of, for dry cleaning of, uh, you know, bringing your own bags to the grocery store. Right. right. And it it just it works so well it just it works so well and it solves such a dumb problem which has existed for p- decades which is that you dry clean these things and then you get all this giant ball of plastic and wire hangers and that is completely gone now and i just love it so much it's the it's the definition of a small pleasure because it happens like four times a year and i'm so overwhelmed with joy and happiness every time i do it it's good design. Like it. It's good industrial design. That's right. That's that's, that's right. That's it's, your pleasure. It, my pleasure is that there was a problem and someone was like, "Oh, I know how to fix this," and they did, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the 
ideal, and I don't know if everybody, if every dry cleaning thing does it, but I just literally had to go get dry cleaning for for when I went on the road with uh, with baseball. Uh, so got some shirts, and you know they they you know they put the little plastic little thing at the collar, I guess, to keep the collar mm-hmm. sure. or whatever. Which I, you know, but then they have like a little tag on the bottom, like in the last button hole. I don't know. Maybe this is just this place that does this. I don't know. But they have like a little button, little tag that's stapled in there, and I, I don't know what purpose it serves other than to maybe to let them know that they dry cleaned it or to catalog it or something. Is that does your place do this or is this just my horrible place that wastes paper and tagging and staples? For I don't think my place does that. <laughs> I maybe I've got the one place that does that. It feels like that's like a thing, like this little tag on the bottom that. I guess it's for identification purposes or something, but it seems like I, I just found the company online. It's called the Green Garmento. Uh, it's <laughs> of available. Course. Of course it is. <laughs> not knowing that. I was going to say, not knowing that before was a It was, yeah. It's, it's available at, uh, it was as seen on Shark Tank, which is great. Oh, I love Shark uh, Tank. Sure, who doesn't? And it was on, it's available at Bed Bath & Beyond and Walmart. I'm putting in a plug for this company. I have no connection to this company except that their product is wonderful. I'm a huge fan. Green Garmento. Yeah. Green, I think every week we should just give Green Garmento a free. <laughs> just for well, let me, let me just see. This, this thing, it's also not expensive. It's like 13 bucks or whatever. It's like it's it's cheap. It's so and it's like a, a, it's a wonderful. They have all sorts of different kinds of things. You can uh, go to their website, thegreengarmento.com. I again, I have zero connection to this. Full disclosure: there's nothing to disclose. I have no I have no interest in this company except that I, I'm a huge fan of their product. You know what's not delightful, by the way, is when you go to the grocery store and forget, like bring in the bags, and then you have to get their junky plastic. Yeah, bags that stinks. And- that's, it makes you realize like how many years we unnecessarily th- just used these bags and then threw them away. It's so easy. You just leave them in your car. That's what I do. I just, you just leave them in your car. Well, that's the thing. No, it's usually when you just I take the that car. That you don't, don't have them. Yeah, 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 I do the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. Joe's fourth pick. All right. My fourth pick is going to be a very, very tiny pleasure, but but one that I, I never, you know, my whole life I've, I've just enjoyed. That moment that happens probably – twice a year where you or someone in your company uh your group uh says something at exactly the same time as the other person says something and then they say jinx buy me a coke like just that (laughs) that makes me happy every single time i hear it every time it never stops making me happy that 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 we still have this thing that we do when we happen to say the same words at the same time uh this connection the whole buy me a coke part of it is like awesome uh, I love it. I just love Jinx Buy Me a Coke. Wow, that's interesting. I did not expect you to take Jinx Buy Me a Coke. <laughs> this is very surprising. It is. It's it's an off the board. I could have taken it as a free agent for sure, um, but I wanted to give it the power of of the fourth pick. Do you think it's just like nostalgia for you? That just like you like remembering yeah, your youth. Oh, it's 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 you know what it's like the same thing that I love when we're in a group and and somebody just totally unloads a perfect pun. <laughs> like it, it just just makes me happy. It's there's no reason for it to. There's nothing there, but it just makes me just happy that we're still engaged in like this. You know, I mean, I think we 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 can avoid this topic entirely, but the world is not it's not that great like right now. Like things are not that great, and just like those things that just are so silly and stupid and fun. 
Uh, I just want more and more of those in my life. All right. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I, I first want to say uh, <laughs> that the Green Garmento has something on its website called the Orange You Glad You Don't Use Plastic Bundle. <laughs> <laughs> A perfect pun. Looking at the website. All right. So, uh, so I'm going to take for my final pick, uh, I'm going to take very enthusiastic dogs. Now, I just... I, <laughs> I just moved into a new building, which has, which is very dog friendly. So there are a bunch of dogs who live in my building. And uh, as long as the owner is taking good care of them, it, ta- it makes me so happy when like I get on the elevator and there's a dog that is so excited to see me, even though we have never met in our lives. The dog is, the dog is thrilled. And the best kind of excited dog is the kind of dog where the dog lacks the ability to, like, the kinetic energy of the dog cannot match the emotional energy of the dog. <laughs> so you see the dog just kind of, like, vibrating, shaking, turning <laughs> itself over. The dog has too much emotional energy for its body. And that kind of excited dog is an amazing thing. And I'm always happy when I see a dog that is that happy and excited. They quiver and it's amazing. I love an excited dog. I'm going to say two things to you right now. Number one is uh, thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's been a delight as always. And number two is I will love forever how specific that choice was. Like it's not like happy dogs or like, or like dogs or like fun dog. It was like or, or it was dogs, dogs whose emo- who's kinetic, uh, whose who's capacity for like kinetic movement cannot match their emotional excitement. That's the most specific <laughs> choice that anyone's ever made in any of these dumb drafts that we do. And I'm a huge fan of it. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad. Yes. And by the way, t- totally true. I actually have two points to make on that too. One is, um, when that dog is is you know, cause we we have a dog that occasionally will get into that mode. It doesn't happen that often, but every so often, and it usually is something you know that that lights him up. You know, like he'll he'll hear you know that he he doesn't like the UPS guy. So the UPS guy will come and he'll get really really excited, and then the UPS guy will leave, and that excitement is still there in him. But he doesn't have anything to, you know, so he's like running around the house, like trying to find something to like unload all of this emotion. And then he sees us and he's like, oh, I'm even more excited (laughs) now. You're here too. You're not going to believe what's happened. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's the greatest. And you, that is the coolest thing is like that is the one moment where you can almost hear them talk. It's true. Because you know they would they would just be babbling anyway, right? They're like, oh, the guy was just here. And, you know, I mean, and there's there's that face. I just, I love it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, there is a picture of Ed Begley Jr. on this <laughs> page. There's a picture. <laughs> Apparently, if you get the Earth Day 40 in 1 non-pouch, uh, $2 will go to the Ed Begley Jr. Green I'm telling you, man, it's the gift that so, keeps giving. Um, I, I recently, by the way, on the dog thing, I started, re- I found a giant collection of far side cartoons, which I loved when I was a kid. I love the far side and my jerk son who betrayed me is now uh, nine and a half and is old enough, I think, to start reading the far side and enjoying it. And so I've been reading some, I've been like showing him some far side cartoons and there's one that I've remembered from my youth that I laughed at all over again, which is it's two dogs 
sitting down uh, and the, their owner is preparing a meal for them, dumping food into a bowl. And one dog is looking at the other one and he goes, oh boy, dog food again. um all right so for my final pick uh i have a lot of more uh, good options here but i'm gonna go one that's an emotional pick for me uh which is hardcover books uh hardcover books are so much better than softcover books it's crazy first of all and they and softcover books are better than any kind of ebook will ever be and i don't at me i don't care about your stupid opinions about technology (laughs) the only Really, yeah, anything else. Uh, Hardcover books, the feeling of a hardcover book, the crack of the spine of a hardcover book, the sort of solidity of a hardcover book, the feeling you get when you open it to the first page, the feeling you get when you close it for the last time, the feeling you get when you close it every night when you're done reading it, the sound it makes when you put it on your nightstand, all of those aspects of hardcover books specifically are so uh, joyful to me, and and uh, I, I it is a obviously a luxury item. They are more expensive, although thanks to uh, Amazon, they're not that much more expensive anymore. But usually, but uh, they're they're just like the the weight of them in your hand. Uh, every every single aspect of a hardcover book is the best version of it that you can get from reading a book. So uh, I was gonna I, the other ones I had by the way were I love sunglasses. I think that's a simple pleasure. I love a good pen, like a high quality pen is nice. Sockets on airplanes. There's a lot of different things that like that have made my life easier. Hardcover books have not made my life easier. They just make my life happier every time I engage with them. So that's my final pick. That's a great pick. It's a great pick. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I you know I've never been a romantic about hardcover books. I always was like, you know, I am a person who is an early adopter of like eBooks and stuff like that. And I've always kind of said, nah, I don't, I don't particularly have strong feelings one way or the other, but when I actually wrote one and I found, <laughs> I, discovered <laughs> I discovered that it was important to me. that That's right. No, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Paperback books are not as much fun when you're uh, a writer, when you're an author, that's not something paperback books are kind of sucky. You know, <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. Oh, the paperback came out. Yeah, great. That means people aren't going to buy the hardcover anymore. Okay, great. Yeah. So, uh, but hardcover books and paperback books are awesome always. And that'll lead me to my fifth pick because I was debating between two. And, and I'm going to say the other one uh, just because I think it's it's so great and I want to get it out there. Um, the moment where you hear a song that you haven't thought about for years that you love, like just when that song like comes on the radio or you're somewhere. Uh, this happened to me not that long ago uh, where I was actually with a friend uh, and we were in like a club, uh, like a, like a bar and uh, the promise came on that when in Rome song, the promise came on and I had not thought of that song probably in 20 years and didn't, wouldn't have called it my favorite song or anything at the time, but I was so happy to hear it. It just made me so happy to just hear this song that I liked that I totally had forgotten entirely about. So I love that feeling. But my pick is going to be, since you, you talk about books, the the feeling of lucking into a great book that you love. Not, and this, this doesn't happen very often. Uh, I remember years ago, it was in Barnes & Noble, everything about going through a bookstore. Uh, it might have even not been a Barnes & Noble. It might have been a Borders or one of the other ones because it was a while ago. And uh, and I was just kind of doing what I always do, which is just kind of wandering the tables and then wandering through. And I was in the fiction 
section and I just was kind of looking around and I'm like, oh, well, let me see and if anything stands out. And uh, Nick Hornby's High Fidelity just happened. For some reason, I caught word of it. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of Nick Hornby. I'd never sent, you know, I'd never read a review. I'd never, I didn't know anything. But I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is kind of funny. It looks fun. It looks great. And I, I love that book so much and love Nick Hornby so much. And it just totally, completely happened by accident and might never have happened if I waited for reviews or whatever. That feeling of discovery, probably not just for books, but for almost anything, uh, that is such an awesome small pleasure. Yeah. I like that. I would also say about uh, even though you decided not to go with the song that you haven't heard in a long time, I like the particular pleasure of hearing a song that you love that you haven't heard in a long time and simultaneously realizing that you still remember all the lyrics. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, oh my yes. God, I can sing this whole, I can sing all of Shoop. <laughs> <laughs> and then you always have that moment where you're like, I have a lot of my brain that is yes. devoted oh, yeah. to just this. Right. Like, there's brain storage that's been doing nothing but this the entire time since I knew this song. Just it's one of those. It's one of the best um, moments I think, or little aspects of Inside Out, is how there's that ad for like a chewing gum that yes. is like the memory is just never going away. Like, yep. <laughs> like they all remember the jingle or whatever. Yep. It's a very accurate thing of like, oh God, I. I could be so smart if I didn't remember all of the lyrics to every like spin doctor song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would say Michael best draft ever. I mean, oh, easily, easily. It's not even close. Yeah. Linda, you just because of Linda entirely. Aww, I mean, our picks up. You guys, that's so nice. Well, I'm very happy that you, uh, that you went with the Astros. I think you have a, you have at least, I would say, I mean, this year you might get your, uh, your, you know, lifelong dream of having the Astros. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we will, and we will be rooting hard for them if the wrong thing happens. If the wrong things happens, we are all in uh, on, all on the in Astros. But I would also say that if you stick with them, you've got a minimum of like three or four more years where you can expect to be playing in October, which is really all you can ever hope for. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You bet. Yeah. All right. Before we, before we let you go, we have to do our one last meaningless thing, then this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And Linda, I'm gonna give it to you. You get to start. Oh boy. Um, so I will uh, pick as my meaningless thing that um, I spent a lot of time this this last weekend for no particular reason watching old seasons of Top Chef. <laughs> and uh, sure you did. And if, and if you ever if you ever want to learn a lot about uh, how to mess up scallops, <laughs> just watch a lot of old Top Chef. Um, and it's very meaningless, although uh, sometimes you get to see people eliminated who are bad people. And put in getting people eliminated from reality shows who are bad human beings who finally lose was almost one of my <laughs> It's so true. So true. Yeah. 
really the only reason why I why I've ever watched like shows like Survivor. You just wait for the the there's a there's one where this horrible guy gets eliminated really early and cries and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Very specific, by the way, about cooking shows that I love because we, you know, my, my wife loves to cook and, and, you know, the girls mm-hmm. are a little bit into it and I, you know, I watch a lot. Um, but we used to watch this show called Sugar Dome. I don't know if you ever heard of that show. Um, but it was like, uh, it was on the Food Network or, or, or one of them. And the idea was they had to make these, these incredible, like, sugar, like, masterpieces uh, and then they would judge them. But, I mean, they had to be, like, a scene. So it would be like, okay, today's scene is airports, and they would all have to yes. build something out of, like, you know, whatever. And the very, very specific thing was that each week they would be trying to figure out, okay, how can I make this so it's sturdy enough that I can move it or whatever, and they would always use Rice Krispie treats. Uh, oh, yeah. And they don't hold up. They, they don't hold up. So we would be watching this show. We saw the show enough times. I think it was only on one season, and we watched every episode of the show because the girls loved it. Every time they would go for the cook, for the Rice Krispie Treats, everybody in there would be like, oh, no, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> like like watching like a, a Dusty Baker pull out his starter. Like, no, oh, just yeah. don't go for the Rice Krispie Treats. No. Yep, yep they use the Rice Krispie Treat as the, like, bulk when they don't want to make an entire cake and yeah it has a tendency to sometimes go wrong it'll break up it'll break up well it's true all right michael your meaningless thing uh, i'm making a late change to my meaningless thing because on the green garmento website uh <laughs> i found maybe the most meaningless thing i've ever seen which is they have a community poll on the green garmento website the question is would you like your dry cleaner to offer the green garmento? And I voted yes. And the <laughs> the current tally as of uh, 10.36 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, October 11th, 2017, 1,645 yes votes, 121 no votes. So 121 people went to this website Clicked on the Do community the poll, gar- read the question, would you like your dry cleaner to offer the green garmento? And thought, no, I don't. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. That would no. be bad. I mean, what? I mean, I, the only possible explanation is they're, they're trolling. It's just people who are like just being yeah. jerks, right? That's the all like. They're trolling green garmento. How did they even website. By the way, uh, but a corollary to this is the day of corollaries. A corollary meaningless thing is that also on the Green Garmenta website, there is a live chat section where <laughs> theoretically <laughs> you can live chat with other Green Garmento enthusiasts or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm too afraid to click on it. <laughs> but anyway, Wait, I just clicked on it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I clicked on it, and there is the you know the the oh it's to it's to contact them I guess and ask them questions. Yeah. No, no, but but it oh, says you there's, know, a, there's 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 a woman who clearly does not work for Green Garmento um, saying hello. Can I help answer questions about the Green? Right. Garmento? Okay. So it's a computer or it's a or it's a uh, whatever it's, it is. It's a thirteen dollar bag. How <laughs> it's a, it's a green bag to put your clothes in. <laughs> But you know, you know what I just learned by googling uh, Shark Tank and Green Garmento. She went the the Green Garmento lady went on Shark Tank, but she did not get a deal. 
Interesting. Oh, okay. That's just, that's still fine though. Like by the way, are you allowed if you don't get the deal, are you allowed to say as seen on Shark Tank? Yes. That that's oh, yeah. really that's the yeah. reason that they that they that the show exists is so that you can say I as seen uh -huh. on Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, I would say that probably the reason that they didn't get a deal is because uh, on Shark Tank very frequently it's like is this proprietary in any way you can't make money on right. it if someone else can just do the same thing right so right. I can't imagine that there's a proprietary angle there's no patent you can you can get on a green bag that holds laundry <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I gotta say uh, I am who I am I'm gonna be looking up her Shark Tank episode and watching it later <laughs> <laughs> great next time you're on the on the podcast you can give us a full breakdown I of will. the Shark Tank Every episode featuring the green garmento lady yes. yeah I absolutely will all right. Great. My one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing is actually a question uh, this week for both of you. Uh, and the question is, how old does a person have to be where you feel like you can offer them your seat on the train, on a crowded train, and they won't be offended? Oh. Oh. Yeah, this is it's hard. It's very hard because you're 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 applying a, a universal rule to like an individual decision, right? It's like what what people choose to be offended by is varies True. so widely. True. I mean, if you want to, I would say if you want to guarantee yeah, you that guarantee. the person won't be offended, yeah. then you're you're saying it's it's probably like seventy right. or something, right? Seventy. What do you think, Linda? That's a really hard question. I have had the same thought. Um, I mean, I've had the same question at times. I'm going to say, I'm going to say you have to guess that the person is 65. Okay. Guess person 65. Okay. Here's my answer. Here's, here's what I determined having, having uh, watched this in, in recent days. If the train is crowded enough, the answer is zero. <laughs> right. There is, there is literally no age. If you were like, if I was like sitting down and like an eighteen-year-old kid, and I'm like, "Hey, you want my seat?" They grab the seat and not be offended. If the right. train is crowded enough, if the train's not crowded at all, that age is like a hundred. Like if you, yes, they, like so they're they're looking at you like I could sit anywhere I want. I'm, the, I'm not that old, you know. Well, right. But, that basically comes down to: Would you like my seat so that you don't have to walk five steps past me? <laughs> Right, right. So, so I really think, but I, but I found that if the train is really crowded, yeah, there's, there's no aid. They're just, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. giving me your seat. Can I uh, tell you before we go? I, when I, I was in New York uh, celebrating my anniversary with my wife over the weekend, and we took the subway a bunch of places. And my solution to this, which I had forgotten about because I don't take the train out here in LA very often. Uh, my solution to this used to be and remains, I just don't sit down. Mm -hmm. I no just, I, how, I stand no up and I leave. If it's completely empty, I'll sit down. But in general, if there's a chance that at the next stop, there will, there will be someone who might be more deserving of a seat than me, I just don't even bother because I would rather have, I would rather have people walk on and just take a seat than go through the kind of slightly <laughs> odd thing where even if I'm just saying like, please take this seat, it, that person, the person might interpret it as a, as like a, a condescension or as a, a, a situation where I'm thinking, I'm looking at them and thinking, oh, you need this or something. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather just not sit down and have and not and av and avoid the potential awkwardness of having to offer someone the seat. That's my yeah. sort of stance on it. Unless I'm unless I'm going a fairly good distance, I don't sit down on the train in New York. I think that's yeah. Fair. I think I think that's. I think that's yeah. All right, Linda, uh, you're always welcome here. 
uh, anytime. In fact, anytime you want to replace Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or me, or me, you can replace me either way. It's so much fun. Always so much fun. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me.